Welcome to this bonus episode of Lead Time. Uh, this is Chris Krogan and Sarah Stenson from Luther House of Study uh, talking with uh, myself as well as uh, Dr. Ryan Bredo. That's the extra voice that you hear in this conversation. I've interviewed Ryan. He's a faculty mentor with the Luther House of Study as well as a vice president at, at Grand Canyon University. So this was after five hours of training on being a faculty mentor. And we started just having a, a higher level conversation around the differences between the academic environment, uh, which we're not downgrading. We think there's certainly a role for that. Uh, but we also uh, recognize that we have students right now who would like a degree, who are bivocational and co-vocational, and our students are not going to go residential, and the LCMS does not offer an online MDiv Option. We're praying that with uh, curiosity, there is assessment and uh, analyzing that takes place of our partnership with the Luther House of Study. We are adding our own ULC classes. Uh, we've had a leadership class that's taken place, and we're looking for uh, classes in ethics, uh, pastoral care. A number of people in our network are exploring that. We actually have uh, a Greek class that we're looking to get forward, as well as a, a Hebrew option for a number of our students. I know the the languages have been a conversation where we feel like there's an opportunity for improvement. Um, again, we're not competing with our seminaries. We actually love academics, but in the middle of this conversation, it gets a little gets a little spicy, as they say. Uh, we care about those that are in the respective ivory tower. Just had a great conversation with uh, Reverend Dr. Robert Kolb on lead time. Uh, that'll be coming out here soon. And he recognized, you know, my calling is, is ivory tower. There is a, a step or two that I'm removed from the local, the local context. So we love academics, uh, but we care most about training up pastors to fill our over 1,000 pulpits being suboptimally served. And if anything Chris uh, says or I say that offends academics, we'd love to hear from you to dismiss what we say as corrupt. Not people are not corrupt, but the system itself, maybe maybe a better word than corrupt is is just broken in need of of repair and analysis to to more faithfully serve the local local church. And if you're watching the video on YouTube, it may look like I'm rude. I'm just uh, taking notes actually on my computer, which is simply simply out of view. So enjoy this bonus episode of Lead Time. Thanks so much. So we're going to answer on two levels. How does Luther House survive without getting a single dime from any of our students? Because that's the first thing everyone needs to know as you are ambassadors. We at Luther House, we're not even on salary. We don't, we don't get any money from the seminary. So we get zero revenue, not one penny from the students, even indirectly. So we're independent with funds. It is. Introducing that, you know, as ambassadors, we do not have any financial interest in, in getting a single house. Nope. Soon. Nope. That's not, we're not. So but the reason that is, is because we've existed since 2006 and we've developed a network of, of people and supporters that have recognized what our mission truly has always been. And so that that's brought a lot of people in. There's only been one significant financial supporter in the history of Luther House um, that has not experienced our content. Oh, wow. So it's all grassroots. Wow. Right. Yep. Wow. So, so we're 100% donor funded. Yeah, 100%. Variations and individuals. But so is, so are your Concordias. Yeah. 
mostly. I mean, they do have student revenue. That's, but that's that's a newer thing, actually. Oh yeah, the student support as you know, base the this is part of it is we have congregations that we don't even know now anymore. We I mean we have never even talked to that are sending us their benevolence checks because they know what we're doing, right? Because they see the mission orient as opposed to the institution sure. stuff. So we've never even interacted with some of these congregations. They don't have students. They just hear, look what they're doing. So that's, it's, it's the generosity breeds generosity kind of thing. From a business model, then what happened with Greg Henson at the seminary was he recognized why institutions, he has his MBA, he doesn't have actually a theological degree. He recognized why the institutions went like this financially. And it was probably because of the overhead, but the business model, because what happened to the demographic of a seminary student was, A, you were getting fewer students, but also, now this isn't so much in Missouri because you don't become a part-time student in Missouri. At one of the Concordia's, you're always a full-time student, I assume. And you also aren't doing it online. But what happens at every other ATS theological seminary is you can become a part-time student any time in the process, or you can be just doing something online. So then thus the residential component reduced the income to the seminary when they were doing online because you don't have people paying rent. Additionally, if you're part-time, you had to build your structure around having 50 full-time students, but now 25 of them just took part-time credit load the next semester, you just ran in the red. So if you make it a subscription, you have your, your income is now much more stabilized but then you build your overhead to meet that, but then you scale it by now, for example, having someone sit in a classroom three times a week for three for an hour each time, now nine time, nine classes, so they teach a full load, so you got nine classes, and they're sitting in, in a classroom for nine hours talking the same thing all the time to people is very inefficient financially in this day and age with, with technology. Right, because now we've just, which is why we've captured it all there, put it on things, but we aren't supporting them on their education, but it's somewhat evergreen content. What has happened in higher education, being one who's been in it, again, I started teaching at undergraduate level in 2004, taught uh, undergraduate students until technically last year, but really haven't had an undergraduate student in my classroom for about the last five years because of a whole other thing. But anyway, so I taught that. I've been teaching seminary level, all this kind of stuff. So I know how the system works, and I know that what most people do that are in the classroom teaching is they're experimenting their content. They're trying out that that's their lab for their lectures so they can write the book. That's what academics do, <laughs> right? That's very poor for vocational training of people that are gonna be preachers. But that's what, which is why Missouri is slow on that insofar as they still have, that's why I'm okay with their, some of their purity mentality because they're still teaching the core stuff. But what happens in the academy as a whole is you always have to come up with something new in order to get published and or to get tenure or to get your PhD. How do you say something new about the Bible? Right? Well, you have to actually say something not about the Bible in your Bible content, which is why you end up with all the historical critical methods, blah, 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 blah. So I understand what Missouri is doing, why they're preserving these, this kind of thing. 
so on and so forth. But as a result of a college professor using the classroom as their lab to try out what they're going to produce next for the academy, you've lost the actual core content. So, but if you, if you, if the professor is there to make an evergreen resource, which is what MOOCs started to become, right? So we, we were just like, we're going to do MOOCs, but actually, no. That those are the online free classes that can get at Stanford or whatever, you know. So then you can say online. Open content or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were like, why aren't we creating MOOCs for our students? But Same thing scale. with the flipped classroom. We were kind of on That's the front end of that, trying to figure out how do we flip it to free up our time to interact with students as opposed to saying the same thing over and over and over. Because if I sit in there and uh, doing a full teaching load, there's nine hours of my week yep. at least. Saying the same thing over and over. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is financially inefficient. Yep. Right. Yeah. So, so but, but at the same time, time, that's why the average hour becomes the average hour. Yeah. Huh, I don't have to really work. I just produced an old lecture again, or, you know, and then I'm putting special in my own individualistic puddle. I'm not really interested in student. I'll hold all office hours, but they're not really interested in what I'm doing. So I get to write my book and get my name out there and, and work within my my guild of the of the Reforma Reformation Research Program or blah, blah, blah. And, and you end up in your own little silo. We did that. Yeah. No, I've, I've done that. I've been in that game. Yeah. This is why I know all these people in St. Louis and a few of them in Fort Wayne and stuff because I actually interacted with them on that academic level and great. Did I, for the record, yep. went to the International Literary Council? Stop talking. You got to stop saying that stuff to me because <laughs> you know that game. Yeah, is it's uh, yeah, it's corrupt. It's very sad. So, but you see, but this is why I actually, um, so Sarah and I have been published in journals, like high level journals, and in encyclopedia books. I haven't published a book because I've been too focused and busy on what we do with Luther House, because that really is our calling, you know? But right now, Sarah and I are like, we're writing all these, what we call evergreen lectures that we're putting in their videos. And I'm like, all this stuff we're putting, because the, the, the challenge for the professor, which some people don't like to do, is when you write a lecture that you're going to make evergreen for a video, you've got to be on. Fine. Yeah. You do not want to talk no. on. To say something, and say, "Oh, oh you got to just go there." Something. Right? Yeah. I mean, you got to be, bang. and it's got to be within less than twenty minutes that you're getting your point across, yet at the same time rhetorically captivating. Right? That we like. So, did we answer? Did he? I think Ralph well, had a different answer. No, but this, no, this, this is part of it. Yeah, okay. so, 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 just uh, you guys can't see this. Uh, I can't. How do we do the business model? So here's here's a lecture that we're doing. This is one 15, yeah, 20, yeah, 15 minute maybe at most video on natural. Oh, that's that's 14. I'm going to do 15. And I'm in the paganism. Yeah. Yeah, that one we're stuck on right now. So I'm finishing this up. Um, but this is on paganism and science in relation to who's so this is for sharp about the creator. How do you deal with paganism? How do you deal with scientific stuff and natural theology? 
And that most is going to be 15 minutes, me talking into a video. I spent, I probably spent 40 or 45 hours to get to that. No, it's true. We've had some I of these that are incredibly dense content yeah, yeah, yeah. that we had to and, and go I'm, deep on. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm dealing with, I'm yeah. dealing with, yeah. I'm dealing with Homer, the Odyssey, the Iliad, um, Plato, Aristotle, all this stuff in a paragraph. Each one of those basically, but I have to make it accessible to a student. So this is really hard, hard work. But once it's evergreen, it's evergreen. But that's part of the model. As you get that evergreen, the problem that we're going to have is getting other people coming in to follow us to do this. That's where the business model is going to be. You beat me to my next question. Yeah. What's your biggest barrier for growth? And it's not growth in. Currently, we don't really have any barriers for growth because our mindset has always been partnerships like this, which which mm -hmm. actually answers the scalability as well. Um, so currently, and for the next ten to fifteen years, given our age, Luther House is fine. The growth is actually going to, for our purposes, the biggest challenge is going to be who replaces us to continue the mission of Luther House. And so that, we're waiting for God literally to drop it in our laps, but I'm confident he will, because logically, Luther House should not exist. I mean, this is unique in the landscape of theological education in North America. And you know now, all of you, it's two people plus Lars now at the core of this huge, what's turned, you know, turned into a pretty significant enterprise in spite of two, you know, small town, both of us from Iowa, not the, in the middle of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Yeah, in the middle that? of, as Elizabeth and the bishop of the ELCA said, small Baptist seminary, small town in a small state. Well, I send students to you. So, yeah, good question. Exactly. No. We, so, so, so there is no strategic plan that now we're seeing the fruit of it. We've just kind of been pulled along all the way through. So we capitalized on what we see as the market giving us the opportunity to make the economy work theological education. You've been listening to Lead Time, a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective. The ULC's mission is to collaborate with the local church to discover, develop, and deploy leaders through biblical Lutheran doctrine and innovative methods. To partner with us in this gospel message, subscribe to our channel, then go to theuniteleadership.org to create your free login for exclusive material and resources, and then to explore ways in which you can sponsor an episode. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for next week's episode. The Unite Leadership Collective is excited to announce the launch of our new online learning platform. Whether you're considering entering into ministry or already leading, we have the resources that you need to become an empowered leader in your ministry. Our learning platform will release new courses every quarter with our first available course, Becoming an Engaged Leader, available now. But by joining our monthly membership, you'll unlock unlimited access to all of our courses and gain entry into our exclusive coaching community space where ministry leaders can connect with each other. This community also grants you access to bi-weekly coaching calls led by the ULC team, private Zoom calls, and additional team discounts.
To celebrate the launch, we're offering introductory rates for all of our courses and the monthly subscription plan. Just enroll prior to January 1st using the code 75ULC2023 to get 75% off at checkout. Visit the uniteleadership.org to learn more about our online learning platform and start your journey to lead effectively in any church settings today.